Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Friends, I'm just struck this morning. I mean, no doubt that you've also seen on the news the events that happened this past weekend in Israel, the attack of Hamas on all those different parts of uh, the nation of Israel. Just to come to Mass is to be in contact, to be connected with Israel, to be connected with the Holy Land, to be connected with the people of that place, to be connected with our Jewish brothers and sisters. I mean, even singing Alleluia. We're singing Hebrew. (laughs) Praise the Lord is what that is. We're reading the Hebrew Scriptures hearing about Nineveh, hearing about the stories that have fired the imaginations of these people for 3,500 years. I just think we need to commit even more deeply to interceding and praying for them as they are suffering so tremendously and that peace, shalom, would come to that land. I want to talk about the gospel that we have today, this, uh, this story that we're so familiar with. Jesus relaxing in the home of Martha and Mary in Bethany and the less than stellar moment that Martha had with Jesus, right? Here's the thing that I was thinking about. I imagine that if Luke the evangelist was following you or I around, recording like our dialogue with the Lord, prayer, conversation with the Lord, much of it would sound like Martha in this gospel. At least I think that's probably true about me. So let me back up and just kind of share a little bit more about my thought process that was kind of coming into this, that I'm oftentimes really struck by what actually got included in the scriptures. Here's what I mean by that, that if you wanted to make this up, if you wanted to, if you were trying to invent a sort of religious movement, if you wanted to, I don't know, win people over by telling them impressive religious stories. There is so much that's included in the scriptures that would have been left on the cutting room floor, right? Like, like you wouldn't have had your heroes of the Old Testament. You wouldn't have had Noah getting drunk and having this weird naked episode in front of his family. You wouldn't have had Abraham sleeping with his slave woman and sending her, her and her child off into the desert. You wouldn't have had Moses being a murderer. You wouldn't have David being an adulterer and a murderer, right? You probably wouldn't have included the stories of the apostles about, you know, Simon Peter, who is like the rock foundation of this new thing called the church. You probably wouldn't have included, you know, his denials, his betrayals. You would have just papered over that, right? Airbrushed that. You might not have included... Uh, you know, his, uh, his just dismal failure. You are the rock, right? You are the Christ, son of the living God. And I say, you are Simon, son of Jonah. You are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. The next verse is when Peter puts his foot in his mouth and says, God forbid, Lord, that you will ever suffer. And Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan, right? That, I would have I excluded that if I was making this up, right? But these are the things that get included, They get included, which just add a level of veracity to the testimony of the scriptures that they're telling something true. Why include those details? Because they were true, right? 
they also testified to the, the merciful love of Jesus, right? Why do we know about Peter's betrayal? No one besides Peter knew about Peter's betrayal. We knew about Peter's betrayal because Peter was glued back together by mercy the morning of the resurrection, and he told that story. That's how we know that story. Why do we have this very embarrassing moment for St. Martha in the gospel? Right? I mean, I, I, I was, I was, when I was praying with this, I was imagining, I was like, I wonder if like every time this gospel is proclaimed, Martha's up there in heaven, right? And she just looks over at Luke and is like, really, Luke? Like, you had to include that? Like, it's not the best moment. Like, she's like, you could have included the amazing flambe that I was making, you know, like. But, you know, he has to include this very whiny moment of her, right? Where she's like, tell, her, tell my sister Jesus to help me, right? You've got this woman who she's accusing love incarnate of being uncaring and careless and unfeeling, right? That's essentially what she's doing. Like, do you not care? that my sisters left me to slave away in the kitchen? Are you really accusing love incarnate of not loving? Really? Do you not care? And then she tries to boss him around to tell the creator of the universe what to do. Tell her to get in here to help me. Again, not a shining awesome moment for dear St. Martha. But back to my original observation, right? That I imagine if Luke the evangelist were following you or I around, recording our internal dialogue with Jesus, it would sound a lot like this. Lord, do you not care about this thing or that thing that I, I'm going through? Do you not care about my, my, my poor grandson who's getting bullied in school? Do you not care about my granddaughter who's struggling tremendously in college? Do you not care about my daughter whose husband just left her? Do you not care about my neighbor who's got three little kids at home and, and just got diagnosed with cancer. You do not care about this situation, Lord. Like, that's, that's what bubbles up a lot in my heart. And I would bet it probably bubbles up in your heart a lot, too. Do you not care that all these bad things keep happening? I guess here's the point that I'm making. Notice how gentle Jesus is with Martha. Right? There's no thundering rebuke of her. There's no condemnation. He doesn't smite her. He doesn't flex his almighty muscles to say, how dare you accuse me of not caring? He's so, he's so gentle with her. He gently just redirects her heart to the truth. Why? Because love is patient and love is kind. And he is willing to walk the long journey of our own conversion which is to say he's willing to patiently suffer us going through this, this life cycle of Martha Martha syndrome <laughs> where we just lose track, lose sight of the one necessary thing, which is keep your eyes fixed on me. Keep your eyes fixed on me. Keep your eyes fixed on me. Eyes up. Look right here. He doesn't get mad that our eyes drift. He just will always gently bring our eyes back to the one necessary thing. He's the eye of the hurricane. He's the eye of the hurricane where there's peace and stillness. Jesus, we ask you to help heal the Martha Martha syndrome in each of our hearts. 
that we would have eyes that are more and more fixed on you. Amen.